This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 2, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. President Trump hopes that tax reform will give the economy a boost, but where are the benefits to savers? The Cato Institute's Ryan Bourne and Chris Edwards say any serious tax reform should include what they call universal savings accounts, which have shown tremendous success in Great Britain and Canada. Well, universal savings accounts are essentially supercharged Roth IRAs. Uh, basically, people would put money into these uh, savings accounts. So we think up to $10,000 a year would be a good contribution limit. And then you can uh, withdraw the money anytime for any reason in the future. The earnings would compound over time uh, completely tax-free. So you could uh, you know, save up for a family vacation, save up for retirement, save up for uh, healthcare, education, uh, anything you wanted to. Uh, I think uh, these accounts would, would revolutionize savings. Uh, a bill's been introduced uh, in Congress uh, by Senator Jeff Flake and Representative David Bratt. And we have good real-world real experience with such accounts. Both Canada and Britain have introduced these accounts uh, in recent years, and they've been a really great success. Well, the important thing from an economic perspective when you're thinking about tax reform is you want to move towards a situation where taxes are neutral between uh, different types of activity. And the beauty of these accounts is that they're not only neutral between consumption and saving because they exempt uh, the returns from from saving from being taxed, but they're also neutral in terms of um, the tax treatment of what people are saving for. Uh, Traditionally, um, governments have sought to incentivize savings by um, imposing different tax structures on the on the taxation of retirement savings, but this really incorporates all types of saving and whatever the individuals um, are looking to achieve. And uh, in Britain, these accounts, as Chris has said, have been a remarkable success. Um, individuals are able to put in up to about $25,000 per year uh, into these accounts from, from taxed income. Uh, any returns then um, aren't taxed and there are no penalties Uh, at all from uh, withdrawing funds. They're completely liquid. And the proof is in the pudding, really. 43% of adults own these accounts. Uh, About 58% of those who own the accounts contributed to them last year. And the average annual contribution is very, very high, about $8,000 per year. So in terms of what people are actually deciding to do with their own money, uh, these accounts appear an incredible success. All right. So the Roth IRA is the obvious comparison for the United States. That is specifically for retirement. You pay some significant penalties for withdrawal early. Um, so they're not ideal for uh, savings. How do how do the universal savings accounts? Why are they so much better than uh, a standard, you know, pocketbook savings account at your local bank? Well, the, the, the problem now is that the federal government tries to micromanage uh, personal savings. So we have Roth IRA accounts, we have traditional IRA accounts, we have other sorts of retirement accounts, 401ks, of course. There's SEPs and there's SIMPLES and uh, there's 529 education accounts and on and on and on. Uh, that's not the right way to go. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if you believe in a free society and you believe in uh, uh, free individual choice, uh, the government should set basic rules that create neutral and equal treatment for savings then allow people to save for whatever they want. So that is the idea of the universal savings accounts. The government taxes the money once when you earn it, then you put the money into the account, 
It grows tax-free. Uh, it, it, it enhances uh, you and your family's financial security in the long run, and you can withdraw for any reason uh, uh, at any time. Uh, so, you know, Britain has instituted these accounts and show that they work, and Canada in 2009 uh, uh, implemented these accounts too, which they call tax-free savings accounts. Uh, and again, they've been a spectacular uh, success. So the idea is to get the government out of micromanaging why people save and just let people save for their own purposes. Well, on the flip side of this, of course, the, the federal government through the tax code subsidizes debt. Well, that, well, that's true. That's that's also a bad thing. I mean, I, I think as libertarians, we want the government to be as neutral and to impose as few distortions on the economy as possible. And through things like the mortgage interest deduction in the tax code, um, the fact that corporations can deduct uh, their debt but not equity uh, costs, uh, the tax code is very biased toward debt, which is bad for the economy. And I think uh, universal savings accounts and other reforms would move the tax code back to neutrality. Okay, so in terms of investment options, would is it is it appropriate to think of this as an IRA with no withdrawal penalty? Um, well, yeah. The key, the key feature of these accounts is that there's complete liquidity there. So people, um, different countries have done different things. In Britain, the government has imposed unnecessary complexity by having two types of accounts: cash ices and stocks and shares ices. But there's no reason, really, why you couldn't just have one type of an account and allow people to to decide um, in, in which assets they invest uh, on an individual basis. The key point here is the tax treatment uh, and uh, the lack of withdrawal penalties, which mean that not only are these incredibly simple. You're just putting money in from uh, your post-tax income, um, but but uh, also you able to use that money uh, if you need to um, for any reason at any time. And um, as Glenn Hubbard and, and others, famous economists, have previously said, that enhanced liquidity uh, we, we'd presume on the margin would make people, especially those on low incomes, more likely to to be willing to put money into these types of accounts in the first place. All right. So in terms of uh, investment options, the government loves to tax uh, gains. Uh, on on capital, how would this impact the sort of standard investment decisions that people make now? Well, the, so the money in the universal savings accounts would never be taxed again by the government. It's you put it in, you 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 earn money from wages, you pay tax, you have the after tax cash, you put it into these accounts. The government uh, it is never taxed again by uh, either the dividend interest or capital gains taxation, uh, and that's the beauty of it. Is uh, the government never has to uh, look at this money again, never has to know about this money. Money, you can uh, you can invest and um, and again it creates it, it repeals the current double taxation uh, of savings that we have under the income tax and, and creates neutral treatment. How widely uh, used are these accounts in either Great Britain or uh, Canada? Well, in Britain, they're incredibly widely used. Forty-three um, percent of adults own them, and um, a huge proportion, I think close to 60 percent of people who own them, decide to contribute them uh, on average over the last few years. Um, it's not just that, but also these tend to be incredibly popular with people on relatively low incomes as well. Uh, about 55 percent of holders of the uh, individual savings accounts in the UK earn less than $25,000 uh, per year. Um, and that's important because at the moment, there's a lot of evidence that actually poorer Americans don't have the um, the money saved aside for, for contingencies. So a study last year found that about half of Americans 
could not come up with $2,000 uh, in 30 days. Um, other other recent reports have suggested up to about a quarter of workers have less than uh, $1,000 set aside. Having these types of savings accounts where individuals could, could feel as if they're saving for um, many different types of contingencies or many t different types of um, potential lifestyle uh, choices, but with that liquidity there, um, we'd imagine on the margin, as I suggested earlier, um, would lead them to be more likely to save in the first place. So we think that this could have a positive impact on, on creating a savings culture and ena enabling people to use, use those funds on a liquid basis um, to deal with the, the wants and needs that crop up in, in any family's circumstances, really. Who on Capitol Hill is, is talking about this idea and uh, how likely do you think it will be a part of the tax reform that Republicans are trying to put together right now? Well, we've been uh, pushing this idea for a few years at Cato, and actually that uh, that prompted uh, Senator uh, Flake and Representative David Brandt to introduce legislation uh, last year. And it also has prompted the Republicans to uh, put this idea into their big tax plan uh, that they put forward last summer. So I'm hoping if they move toward a final uh, tax bill, uh, you know, later uh, this year, uh, that they will include uh, such uh, such accounts, which uh, I think, as Ryan and I talk about in our piece, would benefit all Americans, that all all age groups, all income groups, everyone would benefit from this. It would be a real win. Is there a sense that uh, maybe these might actually, for people who are scrupulous savers and don't like the penalty associated with uh, IRAs of early withdrawal, that these could be? Uh, accounts that you fill up before you put money into an IRA? Well, it's important to remember that um, up until the age of 40, if you look at survey um, evidence, up until the, about the age of 40, people don't consider retirement as the main reason for saving. Uh, but yet all of the tax treatment that incentivizes saving in the tax code at the moment is directed towards retirement savings. So there are two big groups, I think, two big constituencies that would benefit from the introduction of these types of accounts. Uh, first of all, young people who have different saving needs, have different um, circumstances to deal with, but also very old people as well, because there are restrictions on what can be um, put into traditional IRAs and things for, for older people. And at certain ages, I believe, Chris is more of an expert on this than me, um, you can only make deductions from certain types of accounts and not contribute to them. So this would also provide a vehicle for, for older people, retirees, uh, to continue to save um, if they were able to do so. So that those two groups would benefit um, overwhelmingly from the introduction of this type of policy. You say $10,000. That's a nice round number. But is there any particular reason for that number versus another one or no number at all? Well, right now, we're, we're suggesting that, um, you know, at the same time that Congress introduces these accounts, it, it repeals uh, IRAs, both the traditional and Roth IRA. Uh, and perhaps some other accounts well, because you wouldn't really need them anymore. There'd be no point uh, uh, putting your money aside into a Roth IRA, which, which currently has a contribution limit of 5500 a year, because these accounts we're, we're uh, proposing here uh, are superior. So um, if you wanted to simplify the tax code, get rid of some of the clutter there, like the special education accounts and the special retirement accounts, and put in these universal accounts that everyone can use for every purpose. Ryan Bourne and Chris Edwards are scholars at the Cato Institute. Their new briefing on universal savings accounts is now available at Cato.org. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.